Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. It's back to school day for the grown-ups this morning in Westminster and we'll find out just exactly what the new plan is at Prime Minister's Questions. Will it be a triumphant United front for Theresa May after a nifty footwork at Tory conference? Will Jeremy Corbyn have a new plan of attack over the shambolic Brexit plan? Or will it be business as usual with rebels firing on all sides? Katie Perry was back today and she'll provide uh, the answers, or some of them anyway. 0344 Coming up later on the show, we'll be finding out why being Drunk is no longer cool. Uh, and the under-25s aren't even drinking alcohol these days, apparently. Plus, why more and more people are going on holiday on their own. If they ever meet anybody, these people, what are they going to actually do with each other? 0344 499 1000. Plus, Susie Dent from Countdown is joining us for a chat about how hard homework has become. And, of course, we'll be tracking Hurricane Michael for you as well. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, and Casey Perrier on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now... Uh, this story is the front page story in the Times newspaper this morning uh, that uh, people under the age of 25 um, are actually not drinking in massively large numbers. What's it all about? And do you know what? It chimes really well with lower pregnancy rates, teenage pregnancy rates in the UK, which we've been trying to tackle for many, many years. Mm. And they're still starting to come down quite significantly. I'm not surprised. So what we're seeing is that younger people are you know, taking on the cleanier kind of lifestyle. They are having, you know, they're all about fruit shakes and kale. Are you sure? And, uh, you know, are you sure yeah. it's just not they're all taking ecstasy and so they don't want to drink alcohol as well? Well, that's possibly what could be also happening. But I do think there is more of a push for fitness amongst young people than there ever was on yeah. my day. Right. And that there's, you know, there's this kind of clean le- living, which is, I've really got to get up early because I've got to go and do this or I've got to go and do that. And they're just, just they're kind of shunning the kind of traditional ways of how we used to go out, yeah. how we used to let our hair down, how we used to meet members of the opposite sex, yes. how we used to learn how to date, the good and the bad and the ugly. And yeah. my God, I've got a few of those. Yeah, not so many of the tell. good, I would imagine. <laughs> Speak for yourself, love. The bad, the and, ugly, and um, the downright embarrassing. <laughs> you know. Well, there were on occasions there were a couple that we you know, with one hit wonders. That's for sure. They yes, were definitely not the second date material. I'm just not. I'm not talking. I don't want to pick the wrong idea here. I'm not talking about sexual encounters. I'm talking about just generally bad nights out. Yeah. You know, where you actually had to work out. I remember having to work out whether I had enough money to get a cab home because all the buses had stopped, or whether to get a kebab. Yes. After I dropped my girlfriend well, off at her house. That's, fina- that's, that's financial budgeting. That yeah. is that is financial management. A young person should learn that. Yeah. And that is a perfect way. You can either sit in a classroom and be told how to manage your finances or work out the difference between the price of a cab yeah. and the price of a burger or, right. a, or a kebab. Right. And I think that that's, that's perfectly fine. I mean, you know, if I, if I had to go through my 20s and not have had those nights out, yeah. 
I would be much poorer for it. Yes, you would be a very different they, person. They were the time of my life. I went away to university for three years and I literally had the time of my life. Mm. And I'd encourage all young people to kind of do the same. And as Julie Hartlebrew said earlier, I would much rather my 17-year-old, you know, even you know, below the official age of being able to drink, yeah. comes home after drinking one too many they should have done, mm. should not have done, Throws up in the sink, and there's me got to go and clear all that mess up. Then they sit in their bedrooms. Yeah. They are socially and you try awkward. And go, don't you want to go out? They don't want to go out. Yeah. They've got vitamin D deficiency because yeah. they haven't seen sunlight in six months. Right. The only sunlight they get is from their TV screens when they're playing Fortnite with yeah. their mates. And the only time you, you see know? them, uh, and the only time they see alcohol is when they come downstairs to tell you to shut up. Yeah. You're keeping them awake at night. Exactly. And they like give a quick the look at your, and they roll their thing. eyes at your bottle of wine yeah. and they go back upstairs again. I don't want that kind of child. I want sociable children who I'm chasing, I'm driving around the park of South East London going, they're in there somewhere. They're in there somewhere. Get in the car. We're going we're home. We're going to find That's them, yeah. That's what I want. All the headaches that that brings, I don't want children that don't know how to socialise with the opposite sex, with you know, going out with their friends themselves, having a lad's night out, whatever mm. it might be. I've got two boys. I'm hoping for all the regular kind of football tours, rugby tours, yeah. cricket, whatever it might be, all of the things that normal people do. And mm. I really do genuinely, I know people laugh at me, I worry about this no, stuff. No, I don't think you're, I don't think you're in alone at all. I think there'll be a lot of people of, of our generation, and I, I don't mean to insult you by saying that we're the same generation at all, but parents who have got kids who are growing into teenagers, and you think to yourself, are they ever going to be normal? And let's talk to Ruby Lott-Lavinia, uh, who's a food writer for Munchies at Vice. Ruby, a very good morning to you. Welcome back. Thank you. Now, is any of what we've just said resonated with you? Sitting there cringing in horror <laughs> and going, listen to these old idiots. What the hell are they talking about? Yeah, I feel like that might be a tiny generation gap here. Um, but I think the, the overarching thing is, A, I mean, you can socialise without, without alcohol, firstly. And, uh, really? and B, we're, <laughs> and B, I mean, we're all just a lot more screwed than the generation before us. And I think that's really like... Uh, the overarching reason as to why you're not going to come out with that trot out that old line about how your lives are so terrible that you have to take yourselves far more seriously that is exactly where I'm going oh god why exactly is life so terrible now Okay, well, look, so young people these days are facing, like, much more financial instability. There is no prospect of owning a house. There are higher student loans. There are barely any rights for renters. Renting prices are through the roof. We have Brexit to deal with. There's global warming. And even if everyone before us was aware of issues, we're now even more attuned to that. I can't believe I'm hearing this. I literally cannot believe it. You're the only generation that can worry (laughs) about global warming. Why have you got the rights to it? Yeah, don't worry about it. The world will still be alive and kicking after you've long passed on and you can pass on your paranoia to your children of your own. But isn't this great? I mean, we now have a generation that's getting anxious and worried about these things. And I mean... Don't well, maybe you should have a drink, Ruby, but that's why you're so anxious. I mean, I think drinking does increase anxiety a lot, but 71% of 60 to 25-year-olds are still drinking, you know. This is like... it's only We're only talking about uh, a, a small rise over the last 10 years that are drinking less. But like... We are kind of constantly campaigning for young people to not drink as much and not binge drink. So really, I think this isn't the end of the world. And I also think that, like, we do have way more stresses. We do have uh, literally the future ahead of us is like a financial, I'm not going to swear, but it's not looking good. And those kind of things get to young people when we're constantly told in the news. But you see, the great thing about this, Ruby, is that we're having a conversation in which everything is being repeated ad infinitum. For example, you know, you think that we were never young. 
You think that we never had stresses. <laughs> you think that we didn't have difficulties when we were growing up and trying to work out how to make our way in the world. And you've and and and, and of course you also forget that you know you will one day be a parent and you will have the same uh, anxieties about your own children uh, but you will think that actually you are a lot better off than i was you know it's 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 a kind of revolving circle that never really changes because you're wrong to, you're wrong to say that children nowadays and young people nowadays have more stresses and strains because when i was growing up and i was your age i don't know how old you are but i say you're in your early 20s you know there were not very many job opportunities there were not very many opportunities to travel anywhere around the world you couldn't go on holiday to thailand and stay in a and b for sort of 10 pounds a night you know there's lots more opportunity for people your age now than there were ever for people my age when i was in my early 20s yeah so what age were you when you were able to put down a deposit on a house just out of curiosity uh well i bought a house in new york city and when i was 27 but that was okay. because I was a remarkably clever and, and useful <laughs> journalist and I made Don't an absolute fortune. But I had to leave London to get a job because there were no jobs in the industry in which I wanted to work. And I had to actually emigrate to another country to find one. Well, let me tell you, getting into New York as a, as a young person is not an easy feat at this point. It wasn't easy then either, there. Ruby. Nobody else but did I mean, it. I was the only there one. Is, there is literally no prospect of owning a house unless you get what, a 90 grand deposit? That's like the not average, true. Average That's not true. Have you, been, have you ever been to the northeast of England, Ruby? Yes, of course. But we're talking about like a vast majority of young people that are moving to London because that's where the jobs are. No, you're are. talking about people in London. You can buy a house up in the northeast of England with 10, 15,000 pounds to put down. You'd be fine. Of course, but we can't overlook the young people that live in London as well. And like, we also have to recognise that the stats that these are talking about are, are, are white young people so ethnic minorities did not see an increase in in reduced drinking so this is kind of like a, a definitely a privileged choice in some respects to be able to go oh, would you call yourself know, pri- would you it. call yourself privileged ruby oh yeah 100 percent. So, i was going to say that some of the jobs that exist these days didn't exist then and so i think that you know with the invent of kind of involvement of new technologies and things like that i mean your job title food writer for munchies at vice i don't mm-hmm. think that was an opportunity for, you know five no. ten years Ago. We didn't have any food. I mean, we never wrote. We certainly never. We certainly never wrote about food. We didn't have any supermarkets. We didn't have anything bigger than a corner shop to buy lots yeah, of canned right. goods in. I'm serious. No food writers. Well, I mean, look, journalism is a harder career to crack into now than it was back then. I mean, you could go look at all the mags. You reckon? Topic, but, Are you sure, but, I mean, Ruby? Yeah, look at. Look, look at all the mags, like uh, Melody Maker, you know, look at um, the places that would employ 17, 18-year-olds to write. Uh, there are no places other than maybe Vice at the moment that is cultivating that young talent. That's you know, not true. There's loads of websites. Really there's, loads of, there's loads of online magazines. There's loads of websites. There's loads and of radio stations. you know stations. how badly they pay? Yeah, of course it's they do, yeah. Cool. Well, do you think we and were I mean, making... I... Do you know what my first job paid me in, news, in newspapers when I worked for the first magazine I worked for? I made less money than I made in a bakery doing Saturday uh, baking, right? I well, made probably I'm... testament to the fact that the bakery was paying you quite well. And an economy no, that, the you bakery know... was paying me about £14 a day. Right. I mean, look, yeah, but we've got to. So don't tell me about your hard luck story, Ruby. But I mean, minimum wage right now for 18 to 25 year olds is £5.90, right? There is no living wage for under 25 year olds that has not increased under a Tory government. And I think we can recognise. It's not the Tories' fault, is it? Yeah, uh, come I off mean, it for heaven's sake! Don't try and not to tick. Try we not are, to I'm tick sorry, every single government. box, Ruby. For we God's sake, we have a government. We have a government that entirely overlooks young people. That you know is that is made up of a majority landlord government, which means that renters' rights, which is majority young people, uh, 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 you know, diminishing. I think is. Where do you live, Ruby? That, 
Where do I live? Yeah. I live in uh, Peckham. And Peckham, very trendy. It's very trendy. Very trendy yeah. place to live. I can't afford that. to live in Peckham. How? What's the average price of a? Yeah, you can't. You couldn't buy a house. There, I can't buy a house I, in Peckham. I no. do not own my house. I rent currently, and I share a room with my boyfriend, making my rent a lot cheaper. How much well, is? How much is the rent in your house? You should make him pay all of it. Roughly. I'm mean, really interested because there are producers here at Talk Radio who do tell me about the, the cost of living in terms of you know thousand pounds a month rent isn't isn't unusual. Mm. Um, and, you know how much is how much is your whole apartment or house to rent? So our whole three-bed apartment is uh, £2,200 a month. Wow. Which is, uh, yeah, it's a yeah, lot. But you don't have to live in Peckham, though. I mean, you can live where you can afford to live, don't you? Of course, but I need to commute to my job, which is in, you know, East London, which is where a lot of the journalists Well, so you could live in Essex and commute in, and you could have a lot more disposable income. I mean, that's I mean, your choice. expensive to commute from Essex. Can I, can I, you I mean, you're not the only one, Ruby, who knows the cost of anything. I mean, everybody has to pay, and everybody has to make arrangements to pay for what it is that they want to do in life. And I think you've hit the nail on the head there, Mike, in terms of I've got lots and lots of sympathy with younger people now. I think it is harder to get a job. I think that many, many people are graduating with good degrees, with massive debts behind their, you know, you know, on their shoulders, and then they're going to try and apply for loads of these jobs. But I put it to you, Ruby, that... You know what? You want it all. You want to live in Peckham. You want to, you know, you want all of these things. I've got family relatives that are in their early twenties. They want their first two bedroom yeah. flat. Didn't want also, a one bedroom. Wanted a two bedroom. They're going, they're going and they go on, on three holidays a year. Yeah. They want it all, and I don't think I ever could afford to go on holiday when I first Look, bought my property. Honestly, if we could exchange three holidays for a deposit on a house, I'm pretty sure the majority of my generation would do so. But at this point, it is not that kind of uh, exchange. Like the. So, how many holidays do you take a year, Ruby? Probably two. Two? Dear me, that's a real problem, isn't it? That's a real yeah, it's like taking holiday because it, it means he doesn't get paid. <laughs> look, the reason we spend money on holidays is because we know there's no prospect of paying a deposit down well, in the next you just 10 save years. It? Why don't you save the money and you might actually get there one day? What, when I'm like 72? Well, I don't know. You may not reach that age. You're so miserable. But the point is, Ruby, <laughs> the point is, is that, you know, there's, no, stand for that, there's no point in just saying, oh, I'm just not going to bother saving any money. I'll just spend it all on my holidays because I'm so hard done by. I mean, for God's sake, you're getting no sympathy on Twitter, by the way. Look, it's easy, it's easy to misrepresent this. I think, you know, understandably, young people are drinking less because they see a lot of the problems that, yes, the generation before them might have considered before, but now we are under more financial pressure. Do you think we had more and, fun, yeah. Ruby? Do you think we had more fun as a result? Oh, that's a good question. I mean... I think Ruby has nice. plenty of fun. <laughs> it would be nice not to stress about all the things that young people have to stress about these days and just to block those out and also own a house at 25. That's not an answer. Do we have, do we have more fun? I'm, I'm 40 years old. I grew up where, you know, it was nightclubs that weren't shutting down every five minutes. There was loads of nightclubs. There was also, loads of your cheap parents, your parents there was so didn't much have, fun. It was your, unbelievable. And also your parents, though, didn't have enough money to give you money when you needed it. And Ruby, I speak from experience here, and you may uh, disagree with me, but I don't know how wealthy your parents are. But a lot of my, my daughter's friends have got wealthy parents bank of dads. and it's bank of yeah. mum and dad uh, you know yeah. so if they do need money they can go there and get it I could oh, no, never, we I never could, had any our that. generation never really had that because our parents didn't come from that kind of you know my parents never owned a house either you know so I didn't inherit loads of stuff but, you'll inherit I mean, loads of stuff we're, we're kind of on the same side here right the reason that like young people have to turn to their parents is because we're having like a bigger disparity in wealth and we're having the people who are rich and can give their kids more money the ability to do so whereas you know beforehand kids could kind of like work out themselves 
get a job that would pay them fairly, put down a deposit on a house and enter the property market way earlier. So they wouldn't need to be taking money from their parents as early. No, I know, but the point is you can, and that's why, you know, it's all swings and roundabouts in the end. And I'm glad you said we're on the same side, because we are, Ruby. We want everybody to be happy. We want everybody to have a decent chance in life. Everyone having a think, good drink. I have a think, drink. Have a drink yeah. and stop complaining. Don't worry that about it. That would be my advice to you. Ruby, thank you very much indeed. Ruby Lot Lavinia, food writer for Munchies at Vice. Good to speak to Ruby. It I is. I really listen, enjoy speaking to listen, her. Listen, I'm always up for a good a rant and rave with a millennial, because, you know, the idea that they're the only ones in the world ever who ever have ever suffered anything terrible. I mean, what about the sandwich generation, which is what we are, right? Well, you've got to pay for your old people, uh, your old parents, because they've got no money. You've got to look after them. You've got to look after your kids who've got no prospects of ever having any money. You're never going to get the money back that you loaned them. You're never going to get them to take you out for dinner at any point in time. There are some people right now that are paying for care home fees yeah. and nursery fees. Yes, exactly. Exactly the same time. I mean, if you, if you think that you've got no money, when you're looking at a seven grand a month bill, but here's pay for a woman, care home and nursery fees. Here's a woman with a pretty good family. job in the media, living in Peckham, oh, uh, in, in, a, in her early 20s, taking two holidays a year, saying... I've never had it so bad. The, the, the job description, food writer for Munchies Advice. I mean, I don't understand what. any of that. I'm, I'm so old, I don't understand that job title at all. How do you think I feel? A lot of Twitter action coming in after that conversation with Ruby. <laughs> Danny says, I take it Ruby ain't living in Mandela House then. Top show as per. I mean, she's in Peckham, home of the uh, Trotters, of course. Uh, you plonker. Can you imagine Del Boy and Rodney thinking someone paid two and a half grand, grand for this? <laughs> <laughs> They're having you on. I know. Two holidays a year. I'm so hard done by. Let's talk to Mark, who's up in Castleford. Hello, Mark. Hi, Mark. Good morning. Good mate. morning. How are you doing? Well, I was going. To, sorry, I was going to say good morning, Daisy. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Katie today. Katie's yeah, back. Katie. Hello. How Thank are you, you doing? Uh, Mike's got minder number one in place today. We're okay. Yeah. I just then um, was was laughing at Ruby there, and not in a nasty way, but Mike. Me and you can remember the 1980s. There was three and a half million unemployed. That's right. All my all my family lost jobs. That I cannot tell you how much better this country is. I know. In most in most ways than 30 years ago, there is a specific problem with housing in London that has developed into some sort of national narrative. You can go to large parts of this country, still put down a decent deposit yeah. and get a decent house. Yes, of course. There is a specific problem but in you London. You can't work for a trendy uh, online and journalistic out- outlet in East London when you live in uh, Halifax, can you? Well, it's online. Why not? Well, that's a good point. It's a very good point. Also, yeah. what about the old uh, mortgage rates in the eighties and the negative equity nightmare? Yeah, that I mean, I, I just want I want to put some things into the conversation. I can remember mortgage rates at fifteen percent. That's right. I can remember, and there was a really good program on the BBC called Back in Time for Tea, which highlighted this: food used to cost thirty percent of people's income. Now it costs around about ten to twelve percent. Right. You see people eating out so much more nowadays. Yep. It's amazing. Yeah, that the restaurant be... choice was not there when I was a well, kid. Well, all these millennials we never went. I mean, now we know why they could go out so much because none of them are spending any money on alcohol. You know, which is by you throwing can... away the most expensive thing to do. You can get a fantastic television for a few hundred pounds. They used to be that expensive that you had to rent yes. them because people couldn't afford to yep. pay them outright. Yes. It's, Vision it's, Hire. It's, we used to have one from Vision Radio Hire. Radio Rentals, we yeah. were. Yeah, yeah, we were Rediffusion. And if anything wrong, some somebody came out with a screwdriver and sort of fiddled around the back and... You know. I always remember my brother headlocking me and ramming my head into the TV and someone else shouting out, it's not ours, it's not ours. Not, don't worry about your daughter's head. It was more the case of, it's not our TV, don't do that. It is amazing, isn't it? 
I mean, it's. I yeah. don't know if you got kids, Mark, but I mean, I have, I and, do. Yeah. and you know, they they are of a similar ilk. They've got it all. Uh, they want it all. They have no idea what hardship is, and I know that doesn't apply to a, a large portion of the community, but to to the middle classes of this country, they've never had it so good. These kids. Are we spoiling our Mike, kids? I I constantly tell my eldest who's at university. I say, you really are lucky. I said, in your pocket, you have all the knowledge in the world. Yeah. I said, we used to have to go to a library to find it. I said, you can have what you want virtually next day i said and i keep saying that is amazing i i have one of these speaking uh, one of those amazon echo things and we subscribe to their music in effect i've got all the music in the world for about four pounds a yeah, month i know i, I mean them. just if you'd have told me that what so i can have i can just speak and say play me such and such a record how much do you put any music anywhere i mean the record collection you know <laughs> You still have to pay a five or a tenner for an album. Exactly. But are we spoiling our kids as a result? They don't know the value I think we are. of anything, do they? I, I, I think there's, there's two things. First of all, there's a narrative developing, which is the, the wrong narrative that, that Rosie spoke about. And secondly, I do think some of them are sold a pup with universities. 50% go to universities. They're all told, well, if you go to university, you're going to come out with X amount of pounds. You'll have so much more earning potential. But the figure's skewed so much by some vastly high earners that that's not the case anymore. And I, and I think that's one of the problems, that many come out and, and have to go into jobs that they didn't yeah. expect well, to go too many into. People, and, well, it's because there's too many going to university, Mark. I mean, again, when, when I went to university, there was oh, only a very small, I think 5% uh, of the population went. And so if you had a degree, you were way ahead of everybody else. But now it's about 40%, so you're not. Yeah, I mean, I, I, say, I think that's a real problem because they're, they're being told that, that you can have what yes, like you said, they're being told you you can have what you want. And I mean, they as soon as you start to, to kind of um, oppose that narrative, you get told to be no, you're just a grumpy old man, or yeah. you know. And, yeah, and he is. You're I, right. And and I I kind of count that by saying everybody says as you get older things were should be better in the past, and I say things weren't better in the past. Things are better now. Right. Exactly. I mean, when I was young, you didn't, you couldn't get a drink twenty-four hours a day. I mean, I should have been drinking less than they are now. This is usually the priorities. They, you know, Greg. you'd walk into a pub at two o'clock and you go, "Can I have some uh, lunch?" No, it's two o'clock, mate. You go, "What?" My so priorities in life fish? that you, you know, get a drink twenty-four hours half a day. Past two. Yeah, we're sh- no, sorry, mate, we're shut now. Well, when are you open again? Well, past five. Well, what are you doing for three hours? Nothing. Why don't you just stay open? I mean, you know, they don't know what they're talking about. These they people. don't know they're no. born. Exactly. These peckermites. I think they just need to, to as I say, unless unless people, I won't say stand up against it, but unless people put the counter argument to this, well, I'm going to have a whole generation growing up thinking, isn't isn't life miserable? Isn't the world against me? When actually it isn't. It's so much better than it used to be. Yes, you're absolutely right, Mark. Very sensible uh, contribution. Thank you very much indeed. Mark in Castleford there. 0344 499 1000. Lots of great tweets to read out as well. You can tweet us, of course, at Talk Radio. And by the way, all these uh, people who went to university believing that it was going to get them a great job, these are all the same people saying, oh, yeah, you believed all those politicians about Brexit. And now look what's happened. And they fell for a much bigger Oh, it's con. just something else to whinge about. Unbelievable. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Del Boyd, recognise Peckham if you went back there now, would he, do you reckon? No, absolutely not. I mean, it's very, very trendy now, Peckham. I tell you what, I couldn't afford to live there, never mind. No. To, uh, move in with a bunch two of people paying month, just two and a half grand a month to rent a three-bedroom apartment. No, thanks. Uh, here's one from Dan. He says, I can't listen to people of my generation saying it's so tough to live, so much worse than ever before. I'm 28. I bought my house five years ago in a different town that I grew up in because I couldn't afford it at the time, and I plan to move back there when I can afford it. Whenever I work in London for my job, uh, either the energy drinks or my own small business i get the train or the mega bus in and out a guy from my school got his gcse results and was chuffed he could smell fudge with his results he spent out he went out and got his large vehicle license now earns seventy thousand, and half his job is spent waiting for vehicles to be able to be driven life is as hard as you make it and you get out of it what you put in but life is also incredibly unfair spend your money and your time on the things that really matter be sensible with both and never beg best advice i've ever been given wow there you go. There you go. Well, that's quite good, isn't it? Uh, Ruby is typical self-entitled, overprivileged millennial, says James, uh, who thinks everything should be handed to her on a plate. Don't blame older people who've worked hard for everything they have, but have also been turned over by governments. I think that's true. I mean, I think I suppose never the twain shall meet. You know, when you're a young person, and I can remember that just about, um, you know, you just assume that older people have got no idea what your life is like. You just assume uh, that they're too old to have any brains, too old to have any interests, too old to have any imagination, and you just assume, uh, you know, that you just have to go, go out and do stuff on your own. But this new generation seems to think, actually, not, not only are the old people out of touch, but actually the old people have created it all uh, for themselves, and they've never had it so bad. Well, yeah, I, I kind of got this feeling from Ruby, and it's not the first time that I felt this, which is, it's kind of quite bitter towards us for not... Yeah, it's like know, our fault. It's our fault somehow. they're in this situation. And we're not passing the ladder down enough for them to you know, give them a good helping hand yeah. up the ladder. Well, we've pulled and, the ladder up. And I think that one of the things that you know, a previous caller talked about, I think it was Mark, who, who basically said that you know, we need to remind them how good it is and, and how cheap some things are. You know, we never had the, the you know, existence of Uber, Spotify, no. all these things that make right. your life Google. so much better. And you know, when, you, when you talk to young people and say to them, okay, what are the costs that mean you can't, you don't have enough money at the end of the month? They've all got a subscription to something, whether yeah. it's a gym, whether it's Sky well, TV, geez, whether, it's whatever it might be. A year. You know, two hundred days a year. They've all got they're, got, they're paying for things that I just could not afford no. when I was younger. Mm. And but I was told and taught that that's just a luxury that's beyond your pay packet. And I think that they're taught now that 
you know what? You can have all of these yeah. things. And then if it's you don't have any money at the end of the month, it's someone else's fault. It's not yours. Exactly. It's somebody else's fault for not paying you enough. Now, God help them if they ever become parents because their children uh, will never have such a miserable life as they listen to their parents moaning. Because we're going to talk now to Susie Dent, uh, who's, of course, a lexicographer and entomologist from Countdown's Dictionary Corner, uh, because Susie has come across a problem that over half of UK parents admit they find it hard to help their children with their computing homework. Susie, a very good morning to you. Hi, Welcome. Susie. Hi, Mike. Hi, Katie. Thank you very much for joining us. I'll tell you what, it's not just computing homework, it's everything. Um, (laughs) It's all homework, I mean, I tried to do some of my 14-year-old son's maths homework with him a few weeks ago, and I couldn't make head to tail of it. I know. I absolutely know the feeling, uh, being a a mother myself. Um, And yes, it's not surprising, really. I mean, particularly with uh, sort of tech homework, because, um, you know, it's only since 2014 kids have have had to learn coding as part of the national curriculum. And so it's it's absolutely not surprising that for us, it's this sort of alien, impenetrable world that we think we will never understand anything about. Um, But actually... It's what the the research showed is that you know we all have an aspiration, or at least most of us have an aspiration to do something about it. We're just not completely sure what it might be. We do, but the fear of God goes in us, Susie. When that homework comes home, and then and then a child, I've got nine year old and a six year old, and the nine year old says that has to be completed on the computer, Mum, and we go, oh God, <laughs> is it is it going to be Word or is it PowerPoint? Because I can totally get my head around that. No, 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 no. it's a new app or it's a new program that they've in, they've introduced at school, and we need yeah. to log on and we need to do this that, and the other. Don't you think that that's a problem for some parents? parents that really do fear uh, and not that kind of savvy themselves. Uh, yes, I absolutely get that. I mean, I'm not a technophobe, so I would say that I don't I don't sort of think, oh, you know, we have to do this on the computer because I work on the computer all the time. But, um, of course, we're not as digitally literate, um, it's a bit of a mouthful, um, as our kids. I mean, we call them digital natives. They've grown up with all these things. They can fix remote controls and our phones, uh, you know, in a second, uh, whereas we, we sort of struggle with it. But, um, in a way, that can become a bit of an excuse as well because we say it's not our world and so... Um, um, you know, we're just not going to participate in it. But in fact, that's quite sad because when you do, uh, you know, try to actually involve yourself, it becomes a sort of social event. And and the thing that we really don't want to happen and that we're all scared of is our kids withdrawing to their rooms and just interacting with a screen. Um, and what I've the people who did the research on Key have got this such a cute little robot that I've been playing with a lot, uh, a lot with with my daughter at home, um, Cosmo, who can do all sorts of f- lovely things. Um, he can just run around the house, scare the cat, um, give you a compliment, um, lift cubes, play games with you um, in a way that actually you can control. And so you can learn coding, um, you know, with Cosmo and other gadgets, really, you can learn how to program things so that you know you actually get an end result that's immediately visible and immediately fun and not only that you're doing it with your kid um and they're teaching you too so it's a complete role reversal um, but it doesn't feel fun or educational it just feels uh, sorry it doesn't feel educational worthy it just feels like it's something yeah, really I mean, fun uh, to do well that's the trick isn't it because the other thing about homework is if you turn it into a kind of punishment period um, they're never yes. going to want to do it. If you say to them, you know, you can't go out until you've done your homework or, you know, you have to do your homework before you do something else, you know, that doesn't really work either. So I mean, what, yeah. what, what do you reckon is the best time for kids? Because, I mean, there's a big debate at the moment, isn't there, about how much homework children get and whether it's yeah. too much, whether they should be doing it every single day at the weekends, when's the best time? I mean, what have you found is the best time to do it? 
Well, I've got, um, so my youngest is at primary school still. I have to say she doesn't have very much homework um, and she still sees it as a chore when yeah. she does have it. Um, but you can introduce learning in so many different ways. So, you know, I talked about coding with this, but you can also, if you get them to read lots and then just talk about the book, that is involving them in literacy, it's involving them in imagination um, without actually seeming like it, it's homework. And I know Rachel Riley, who I work with, has got this big thing at the moment that, you know, it's not well not at the moment she firmly believes that it, it it's not particularly cool as maybe a lot of us somehow think to say oh i'm rubbish at numbers mm. because actually that gives completely the wrong message and it's disempowering particularly for for women who we need and girls who we need to go into stem subjects and you'd never say oh i can't read and somehow think that's okay so i think we just need to reverse the negative messages and involve numbers in everyday life you know you can just ask them to add up the cost of something rather than just say well let's sit down and do multiplication or whatever so i think as as much kind of application to the real life as you can um, produce actually really helps because if they're interacting things and actually feeling like they're creative as well which is is a thing that surprised me most about um, computing and, and coding etc is it, it is in a way it's teaching you how to think so you might say that physics is about learning physics but computing is about learning how to think and think in really creative ways and actually animate a robot and make it do different things you know it's just a world away from where i thought coding was going to take me and it's been a fantastic surprise no it's been uh, a, a revelation i think to a lot of parents how hard homework is to do because i don't remember yeah. finding it hard when i was doing it as a child i didn't mm. find it hard at all um, no. and uh, and yet now it seems i think it has got a lot harder though yeah, I think it probably has. I think we have much higher expectations, really. But perhaps we also think that because talking about this whole digital literacy thing, perhaps the fact that a lot of it is digital and a lot of it's done on computers, perhaps that makes us think that actually it's far harder than anything we had to do in an exercise book, etc. Um, so maybe we feel that it's a lot harder than our kids. But yeah, I think just the main thing that I've really been learning, I suppose, and I will keep on learning as we do with our children, is just not to be scared of it. And if you don't know the answer, just say, okay, well, let's go and find out together. And then, as I say, if you can reverse the roles and just say to your child, Oh, could you teach me this? Because actually, I don't, I don't really, you know, I've forgotten how to do it. Or actually, I've never learned this. It can be great for them and really empowering. So the smile on my daughter's face when I've just said, "Can you, can you show me how to animate this robot?" And she'll just show me. It's as simple as literally dragging and dropping instructions on a screen. It's not involving complex numbers and things. It's just that easy. Um, it's great because, as I say, it empowers them, and it also just means you're having quite a fun time around the kitchen table rather than just plodding you're through. You're getting to make the dinner as well. <laughs> oh. Do you know what? Make a coffee, do all sorts of things. Wouldn't that be great? That just sounds like a lot project. more fun than some of the homework in our house, which is, I'm not doing it, and Throw throwing the pen, screaming. screaming upstairs, yeah. I'm not doing it. You can tell the teachers I don't care. And oh. so, you know, maybe, and I actually think that my children, without a shadow of a doubt, enjoy it in front of the screen more than they do in an exercise book because they do feel like we're making them do work when they're filling out sheets yeah. where they get an opportunity to go on the computer it's all very exciting they show me how they're going to log in they show me how they're going to fill it in and I sit there and talk about where are you going to get your research from how are you going to find out that those facts you know all that kind of stuff that's just so, it Katie I think it's absolutely spot on for them that feels more fun because that's what they've grown up with and that also feels involving for them and um, and also I think there's so many online communities out there as well which you know okay a lot of us we have to be careful with their inherent risks etc but you know if they can create their own program and then submit it online and share it with other people I mean how cool is that you get you know you get feedback you get um, the sort of group 
um, uh, you know, thrill really of creating something that's fun. Um, so you can do that with Cosmo. I'm sure you can do that with you know lots of different things out there. You can you can join an online community within the right parameters with you you know with your with your parent there. It's a whole new have, world, have Mike. Interaction that way. Oh, it is. He's looking it's at a me, new kind landscape. Of, oh my gosh, he's got this. No, he's got see, this I've got I've got all sorts of apps that I, I track my children on. There's one called uh, oh, Class really? okay. Class Charts, which is uh, the school puts together and it has their you know their behavior on it it has their their scores their homework if no homework's delivered they tell you you know there's little green circles with little red bits on i mean it's very high tech now and so Gosh. i mean luckily i'm pretty much au okay fait with all that there's another one but if i was a kid i'd be absolutely furious <laughs> that day by day my parents would know if my chart looks red like amber yeah. green red ratings rag yeah. ratings whether or no, not i'm on the phone to him good. later on going so what did you do today you didn't hand your homework in he's like how do you know that <laughs> it's on your oh. app yeah i mean this they showed me this stuff this morning it's pretty scary they are on it which is great for parents that to know that the school is absolutely tracking everything but if you're a child, there's no hiding there place There is no now. hiding place. But listen, Susie, thank you very much <sighs> for taking the time uh, to talk to us. Uh, it all sounds very exciting stuff. Susie Denner, lexicographer and entomologist from Countdown's Dictionary I don't think Corner. she has problems with homework. I don't She's think She's a bright so. cookie. Well, she doesn't sound like she never knows the answer to a question. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham, 03444991000. HK's got the idea. Uh, he says, sounds like you need to hold on your own mic, bladdered on the plane and a limo to pick you up on the other side. That's what I'm that talking works. about. Well, I did do that when the two mics went to New York, I have to say, but that's another story. Now, uh, first external um, suggestion for the Perrier Awards has come in okay. uh, from uh, my good mate Jim, who says, Perrier Award for Katie buying Dr. Beats headphones. <laughs> and then I said, well, I thought I was really well, cool by Beats, saying that. aren't they? Beats by Dr. Dre. <laughs> It's not Dr. Beats. And the worst thing is, I turned around to the producer and was like, I am so down with the kids. I know yeah. what those headphones are called. And I got it wrong. Yes, you did. I'm afraid so. <laughs> but never mind. At least you've heard of them. I am so you know, not down with the kids. Thanks not... for nothing, whoever tweeted that. I'm uh, very sorry to hear that uh, you're not down with the kids. Now, uh, if you were down with the kids, though, you'd obviously have an awful lot more better and better knowledge of them because 5,000 faces is apparently what we can all recognise, according to a new study. And we're going to talk now to Professor Mike Burton, uh, psychologist at the University of York, uh, who's been uh, involved in it. Uh, Professor Mike, a very good afternoon to you. Welcome. Hello there. Now, we were saying earlier that it's all very well recognising faces, but we can't remember their names. Yes, well, I'm afraid that just is the case. There's been lots of psychological study of this too, and your sort of common experience that you can't remember names is borne out by the experimental data. But unfortunately, it's worse than that because it just gets worse and worse as you get older, that. Oh, so I was going to say to you, is this an age thing then in that case? I'm afraid it is. You oh. just get worse and worse at this. I, I experience it myself. We all do, I'm afraid. So, I mean, does it mean that when you're kind of in the uh, full flush of youth at about 25, uh, you've got 5,000 facial recognitions in your head, and then by the time you get to, say, 55, uh, it's gone down to about 10? No. It seems, <laughs> this is quite interesting, actually, because it seems that recognising faces, we haven't got much evidence that that gets worse. So you can recognise faces perfectly well, but the problem is if you are asking people to remember their names, then that's what gets harder. It's the panic that sets in as you get older, which (laughs) you realise day in, day out, I know you, but I haven't got a clue what your name is. Uh, We've all been there. Oh, it's not not, not good at all. Have you got a good way? Because being a psychologist, I'd hope that you would have little shortcuts to sort of help your memory remain reasonably active, right? Because mine's definitely going, no question. Have you got any little tricks that you can tell us that you do to remember people's uh, names? I wish I had. I wish I had. And I'm afraid there have been lots of people who've tried to do this, 
but there just hasn't been any real success in it. So the study that uh, we've just published really didn't look at this at all. It just looked at, at the faces part of right. this. And is there any reason why some people are better at it than others? Are they brighter? Are they you know, more switched on? Or, you know, I just want to know why I'm not as good as the person next to me at remembering names and faces. It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, uh, there just does seem to be a big range in this. I mean, with the faces side of it, it's only recently become clear just how big a range there is. So some people really find it difficult even to recognise their close friends and colleagues, and they end up relying on their voices or their clothes or something like that. Whereas at the other end of the spectrum, you've got people who are called super recognisers who are so fantastic at recognising faces that they they end up kind of hiding the fact because they think it would be spooky. Mm. To say, my, yeah, my other half stuff. is like that. He's got photographic memory and he will right. go into a supermarket and say, I used to play football with that kid at 14 and go over and say to him, did you used to be in this football team? And they'd look at him in amazement really? saying, how do you remember mm. me? You know, as one of many kids, we, didn't, we weren't even friends, we just played against each right. other. But he has that kind of, he takes a, I think yeah. his mind takes a snapshot and realises he doesn't always have, know their names, but he definitely right. knows that he knows them. See, my memory is like that for numbers. If somebody, if I read a piece of uh, journalism or something in which it says, I don't know, 38% of people did something or other, if I can't remember the rest of the story, I remember the 38%, which is kind of weird, isn't it? It's, what's sort of interesting about all these things is that there just seems to be different, different specific abilities that the brain equips us for, and, and they're, oddly, they're not related. So, so you ask what makes you good at, being, at faces or not good at faces. We quite often look at that in, in my research lab, and uh, we basically can't find an answer. You either are or you aren't, and it's unrelated to how good you are at other stuff. Mm. Interesting as well about voice recognition, because when I first started working in radio, my first producer who was up in Scotland, he said, the weirdest thing you'll find is when the first time it happens, somebody recognises your voice. And they did. And it was really... I've got in a taxi and this guy went, you're Mike Graham. And I went, yeah. And it was really freaked me out because he, did, he didn't freaky. know what I looked like. Have you not had that? I have had it once or twice, yeah. but it's the most freaky thing of all, saying, I know your voice from somewhere. Where do I know it from? Oh, I listen to talk radio. And they, they, don't, they have never seen me yeah, before. Right. And it's the first time we've had that conversation and that's the freakiest thing to is that happen, same, I think. Is that the same part of the brain, Professor? Well, interestingly, it isn't the same part of the brain. No, the two, the two have to uh, combine at some point, of course, because you've got to bring the two things together. Yeah. But, but it is well known that uh, your ability to recognise voices is pretty limited. It's a much smaller set of people. I can't give you an estimate of the number. We just know it's much smaller. But for those people you really do know, for example, if you've been listening to them on the radio for a lot, then they are rather good at doing it. But it's generally not as good as. But it must exist, otherwise people won't do voiceovers. I remember looking recently at the the Jeremy Corbyn latest kind of um, party political broadcast, thinking how slick it was, how good it was, and I spent the first minute going, "I know that voice. Where do I know that voice?" And it's an actress from Coronation Street. Oh, is it? And who's a very big supporter of Jeremy Corbyn's, and that's why they used her. Um, and for me, uh, it, it kind of a reinforced the fact that I knew that person, and B reinforced me my warmth for that character and so they must they must have a, the link with the voiceovers working otherwise they wouldn't pay the money to have people do those is that right sure well in fact you know that you get that situation with faces too sometimes i know i know that person you see them on a bus and you're not expecting them it's somebody from a completely different area of your life you just can't think who they are and that ha that happens with voices but it's known to happen a lot more with voices than with faces right interesting and i mean so i mean did anything surprise you when you did this study i mean were you looking for something else and you've got this or you know what were you looking for 
Actually, it did surprise us a bit because the, the, the thing is that why should we recognize 5,000 faces? In the modern age of media, you know, you can see faces across all the TV and movies and Internet and all that. But for most of our history as human beings, most of the time human beings have been on this planet, we've lived in groups of roughly 100. Mm. So why on earth should you be able to recognize this many? So we were rather surprised by how large the number was. Indeed. And is there any kind of cultural bias in it, in the sense that you recognise people who look more like you, as it were? Well, whenever you do those sorts of studies, that's typically done uh, when you don't previously know the person and you just meet someone for the first time or see right. a picture and have to recognise them. It definitely is the case that you are a bit better with people from your own culture. Everybody experiences it. It's always there. It's not huge, but it's always there. OK. Well, it's fascinating stuff, Professor Mike. Thank you very much indeed, Professor Mike Burton, psychologist at the University of York. I think I mean, this is so fascinating. Imagine if you went home now, and I know you've probably got much, much better things to do and work to do and all of that, and tried to write down the names of 5,000 people that you even know. No, I wouldn't be able I to do it. I don't think you could do that, could you? I, no, I had to do a party list the other day. Yeah. And I you had to take, cull a massive I had number, to didn't cull you? Almost 5,000. <laughs> I had to cull from 800 <laughs> to about... 350. Yes. Did anybody uh, get the hump? Oh, yes, they did. I mean, it was, I saw your Facebook post in which hardcore. you said, please don't take it personally yeah, if you I, don't. Yeah, you know, you have fire safety yeah, but, yeah, limits, but you can't, right? No, but there's no way. You've got no, you no win situation there. I was you, in a total no-win situation. You cannot ever convince someone who's been disinvited from a party that it's not personal. I know. Of course it's personal. But, but You're not important enough. But if you had a party and you didn't invite someone, yeah. would people have the front to complain that they weren't invited? No, but I if wouldn't they have were, the front to complain. But if they were sort of disinvited, though... They would, weren't disinvited. Everyone just assumes they can rock up oh, and drink your free drink all night and no. dance to your band that you pay for. Right. And everyone just assumes they can do that. And I I'm afraid it's invite only. It's unlucky. I was thinking of coming up just for that, you know. Well, you would have been more than welcome because you're my friend. There we are. So you would have been more than welcome. Normally when you say my friend, it's not instead of a very Listen, way. my friend. My I friend. normally say it that when way. that comes out. <laughs> we haven't done that in a while. We haven't, actually. No, it's because I've missed you. I've missed you too. Oh, it's been a pleasure you. to see you. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade.